אוקיי. Salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I am Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to part two of Animals Gone Wild on Horror Business. Horror Business. I don't know why I did the, did the Cenobite voice, but I did. That's the second episode you've done the Cenobite voice on. Well, the first one was appropriate. The first one was appropriate. I'm there not going to no, apologize for that. There are no Cenobites or Hellraisers. In the movies we're doing today, which are 1977's Orca and 1978's Piranha, which is spelled Piranha. <laughs> are you assuming that our audience doesn't know how to spell the word Piranha? No joke. I didn't until I fucking wrote these down. <laughs> I was about to like severely make fun of you, but actually, <laughs> well, actually, um, I probably misspelled it. If it wasn't for a spell check, I'd probably misspell yeah, Piranha. I always spelled it P-I-R-A. H N A and it's Piranha. Yeah, exactly. Piranha. Piranha. But it's Piranha. Piranha. Is it Piranha? Do you think? It's not Piranha. I don't think it's I don't think I don't I think the word is is like um I think it's I don't know the fucking etymology. Is it is it Portuguese? Portuguese. I don't think it's I don't think it's European. I think it's like native um Amazonian. Amazonian. I don't know. What are people, what are indigenous people to the Amazon? Hey, what's the other movie we're going to talk about? Orca. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I said that already. 1977's Orca. Oh, I stopped paying attention. Yeah. We're actually probably going to, we should probably talk about Orca first because it comes first chronologically. But before we do that, uh, let's just fucking get it out of the way. We are recording this on July 25th. Yeah. Three days after the 40th anniversary of Orca being released, which I didn't know until. Oh, wow. I just looked at that. Ooh, uh, timely. We're timely. We're very timely. I mean, uh, this won't come out for like a month because no. I'm bad at editing. But uh, George Romero died. Yeah, I um, guess we should talk about that. I mean, I think it's. I, I think anyone who listens to this probably saw um, our the thing. You know, a bunch of us wrote on Cinepunks. Um, you know, we all wrote just something about uh, how you know, George affected us and, you know, memories we had of him. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't like he was this, like, obscure director. Like, I don't really think I have to uh, at all explain the impact the man had on not even horror culture, but just, uh, you know, at this point, culture in general. I think it was, uh, I forget who, someone wrote or not, put an article on Facebook today, and the t- the headline was... um. It was very like it had this like did you know tone to it, and the headline was like if it weren't for George Romero, The Walking Dead wouldn't be around. But it was like, holy shit, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I mean, this is what is I I actually am, have mixed feelings on this. The average person listening to this is a horror person. Yes. So horror people, it's probably it's it's old news now. Like if you're a horror person. In theory, you fucking know who George Romero is. You know about his impact, whatever, whatever, whatever. But zombies are 
all over the place now. Yes. And I don't believe that zombie fans, who are not necessarily actual horror people, that they know as much about who George Romero was. Um, they might generally know, like, oh, yeah, he made Night of the Living Dead, so therefore he's important. But let's be clear here. What we consider... Zo- like, right now, like if, if you were describing a movie to me, even as a horror person, you might say, well, it's c- kind of zombies, but they're kind of not zombies. Yeah, yeah. All of the criteria by which you are making that statement, or anyone makes a statement like that about what is and is not zombies, is to the extent that that property rips off George Romero. Yes, yes, Like, exactly. that's literally what all of those zombies are dead, brought back to life, who eat flesh. That's all Romero. And the only thing that's not Romero that we also know about is the brains thing, yes, that which was, is still related to Romero. Yeah, it was John Russo who yeah. co-wrote, co- yeah, co-wrote Night of the Living Dead. Right, so the, the, the idea is that his work on that, but I think what is mentioning worth mentioning for us is that I saw too many posts from, horror, from actual horror people. Let's not say people, let's say... Entities. Um, entities, because I don't want to single out individuals. But there were places that when they wrote about George Romero they really honed in on the zombie thing like they really focused at it and I get why because if we were talking about Romero's legacy that is the breadth of his legacy yes. let's put it that way that's the furthest reach but if you go into the depth of his legacy he directed a lot of different movies maybe not as many as we would have hoped but the variety is there and some of his best movies are not zombie movies I 100% agree and I think we do a disservice. We, on one hand, need to acknowledge the impact of the zombie thing, that he really changed culture yeah. that way. But we also need to acknowledge the variety of other great movies he did that were not zombie movies, which is, I think is really important. And then finally, that even if all of his movies were shit, even if George Romero was actually a bad director, he also accomplished a lot for independent filmmaking when he's driving around Night of the Living Dead in his fucking trunk, setting up networks to screen that, when he's fighting for the rights to his movie later on because of you know copyright and all this stuff. Because he forgot to copyright yeah, Night of the Living Dead. There, there are so many aspects to his career where he did great things for independent filmmakers. He, We would be talking about him and his impact on filmmaking even if we were like, but his movies, man, they weren't very good. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. He was still that. And then on top of all of that, everyone who ever met the man is like the kindest, most generous. Like, So there are very few people with this amount of cultural impact, this amount of creativity, just really great movies you know, that I think really were important for what they were, and who also impacted socially the world of filmmaking, who were also great dudes. That's not that yeah, common. He, um, I, I, I don't want to get too far into my personal experience with George Romero. I implore you, please go to cinepunks.com and read the pieces that we all put up on there. There's a lot of really, really, really beautiful things that some of us had to say about George. Right. Um, but I think the most telling the thing that really like hit me the most was right after he right after news broke that he died jordan peele posted the still shot of Dwayne jones from night of the living dead and the tagline was just george started it all you know there's this whole idea floating around that there's post horror that horror is now the socially aware thing because of films like get out and then you have jordan peele saying like no like romero started that when he cast Dwayne jones in a movie at a time when people were like, oh, there's a black guy in this movie? Fuck this, I'm walking out, and got up and left. And not only that, but 
the character's race does not play a part in the story at all. Like typically if you had a black character in a movie back in the 60s, it was about racial tension. That really wasn't touched upon at all in Night of the Living Dead. You know what I mean? Like in the remake, there was a little bit of it like, you know, because Tom Towles is a fucking asshole and whatever. But I think George Romero was the first filmmaker to put a character of color in a movie and then not have that character's color be a focal point in the movie. And not only that, but he was a heroic character and he was the main character. And, you know, now it's like, oh, like, you know, the, the, the shitty trope in horror movies is, oh, the black guy always dies. But it's like, you know, if it weren't for Romero, I don't think, uh, I don't think horror would have that sort of introspective, uh, socially aware streak that it, it, it does. Yeah, he really brought something to um, not just horror either, but but genre film. That genre films weren't just for midnight entertainment. They yes, just they were for whatever you could actually get something. I mean, I, you know, you, I'm sure there are lots of very smart people who would make an argument for some other much more obscure director who also did that. But for most of us, it starts with George Romero. Yes, he was the first director. I mean. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent about this because, again, there's nothing that we're saying that hasn't been said literally hundreds of times by people who are far more eloquent than we are. But um, his importance and his impact in not just horror cinema, but just like Liam said, independent cinema cannot be overstated. It can't. I mean, short of saying like you know, he actually directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and he actually invented filmmaking back in 1920 i mean within reason the man's impact on again the walking dead like my mom watches the walking dead sure you know it's like one of those things that it's like people don't even realize like just it's in his impact is just it's 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 everywhere you look in pop culture well and and you know i think also that um night living dead really did have a pretty broad i mean it's hard to know now because the record keeping at the time and it was pretty independent like he was just driving it to theaters and shit but i think a lot of people saw that movie like i think that movie in and of itself had a pretty big impact let alone the cultural ripples down the line you know oh yeah no doubt um that that was uh if you if you ever uh i mean i know it's it's kind of corny because they it's sort of like ridiculous and there's a lot of it seems kind of dated now but if you uh if you ever get a chance to watch um, Bravo's 100 scariest movies. They 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 play it a lot around Halloween every year. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people involved in, in in horror movies that really talk about that movie quite eloquently. Much much better than we're doing it right now. <laughs> All right. So, what did what did you want to ask me, Justin? Have you seen anything involving horror movies lately? No. I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> like I really I really haven't. I think um. Summer is not actually an exciting time for horror. Um, I mean, what's out right now? Wish Upon. Yeah, which and I looks don't, terrible. It looks fucking unwatchable. Um, I'm. I think a few things have come out on Blu-ray. Like I've gotten, um, I got the uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Yes. on Blu-ray. I'm excited to watch that. Um, which is a recent release. I got the uh, complete Wishmaster set oh, on Blu-ray because I did. Okay, I got the Zodiac Killer release from uh agfa that's pretty cool on blu-ray so i'm into that um but 
uh, did I watch any of these things? No, because I have a fucking baby. So yes, you do have. A I baby. haven't. I haven't gotten to watch these things yet. Let alone some of the other. I've gotten some other recent releases, including the new Reanimator Blue. Which, mm. I mean, there was already a Reanimator Blue. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I mean, we'll talk. I mean, it, I guess we should just say this now. Uh, in a few hours, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing an episode with the Final Girls. We're gonna be joining Amy and Carly to talk about Deep Blue Sea and yep. Piranha 3D. I mean, chances are you've probably already listened to that uh, because they're much quicker than we are, are releasing episodes. So that episode will be out while I'm still jerking. You're off traveling on this back thing. in time right now by listening to this. Yeah, episode. probably. So we're. I mean, there's there's a, a, some other, you know, there's some other pop culture stuff that isn't really necessarily hard, but they have a little segment on the show where they talk about. Um, I will say one horror thing that I think is 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 interesting that I'm looking forward to is um, the trailer for My Friend Dahmer came out at San Diego Comic Con. It looks really good. It looks fucking crazy i also think the new it trailer looks pretty good too there's a new it trailer i mean yeah there was only two before right there's a third it trailer when did that come out today i haven't <laughs> do you want me to pause the podcast and so we can watch it right now yes okay that's it. <laughs> false alarm everybody. Yeah, that was just a false alarm they <laughs> actually this is can we talk about this just real this quick phenomenon of trailers for trailers you it's don't need so a stupid. teaser for a trailer so, so what happened bullshit. was there's a teaser out right now for a, a trailer that's gonna be on thursday so by the time you're listening to this it's probably that new trailer's probably yeah out. but it's like why do we need a teaser for a trailer i mean to be fair i've read the description that came out of senate that came out of comic-con and it sounds insane so i have no doubt it'll, it'll i'm just be at the point where i need one good i mean don't get me wrong i like trailers like i'm not yeah. one of these there are a lot of people i know and respect who just don't watch trailers like yeah. i don't want to know i don't want it to ruin it for me and i get that but all i need is one good trailer i love trailers i love a good trailer but when we're up to like trailer number four yeah and then especially because i do a lot of this through youtube and some movies will be like they'll post all four trailers and then they'll be like tv spot number six tv spot number the eight super cut i'm like yo stop i'm just gonna see the movie y'all like yo did Jesus. you see the five minute trailer for justice league they put up no it's five minutes of my life i'm never gonna get back oh that movie just does not look good to me i mean you're, you're not listening to this for a comic book movie opinions but just so you know justice league looks bad uh thor ragnarok looks better now with the new trailer the infinity war trailer which i may or may not have seen which we're not supposed to have seen but there were it looks online. fucking crazy oh and that's what i can say the one movie thing i did i went to the drive-in to see spider-man homecoming oh yes yes which is not horror related but it is important to me because uh i took my daughter that's a do i took my niece to go see it well the thing about the drive-in though is i would never take a baby to a theater i've in fact made fun of people for who thought that was a good oh yeah idea yeah to take a baby to a theater but what's great about a drive-in is if the baby freaks out we get in the car that's exactly you I know was, what i mean I was telling and so someone that that's why uh i used to take i You've heard me talk about my niece before on this podcast. I, I, her, and I used to go to the movies a lot, and we would always go to drive-ins because, um, not only is there something, there's a little, it's a little, it's nice to go to a drive-in. There's something there. It, there's it's an experience, but it's also like, you know, if she gets tired or cranky or you know whatever, yeah. you just get in the car and we hang out. And plus, right. you know, it's funner because it's like you know we're in the car. You know, when we saw, I took her to see the Age of Ultron there, and her commentary on Ultron was priceless. Well, I think too. Um uh, drive-ins at least in this area know that they're a good option for children so like becky's has a playground you know yeah uh, shankweiler's there were kids in the back playing frisbee and stuff yeah you know? like there was a whole family that uh, or there was a whole group of kids that were brought by like one mom and it was like mm -hmm. all the, the dude's friends it's like 
10 kids just all in chairs hanging out so i, I think it's like a uh, it's a no one was like what the fuck is that baby doing here like yeah yeah, like, yeah oh baby you know so like that's neat like i got to bring my daughter to her first movie because of a drive-in whereas yeah. like for a movie theater i'm gonna wait till she's like you know uh, rational like you know i don't i can't i don't I can't understand bringing a child who's not going to have fun anyway into a theater. Uh, my mom took me to see Terminator 2 when I was nine in theaters, and I was like, this is the greatest moment of my entire life. Sure, nine. I went to movies way earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was like, I think, I mean, not that's my mom, but I think my first movie was when I was like six, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good age to start. And yeah. that was for the uh, Empire Strikes Back re-release. Yeah, we talked about it when we had Sean on. Oh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, uh, hey, um, well, if we don't have any horror movie stuff to discuss, I guess yeah, we can I mean, jump into the episode I don't, I haven't here. really been um, watching much stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, all, the, all the cool pop culture stuff that we can talk about on Final Girls. I mean, like Game of Thrones and, and all that stuff. I mean, we, we've had four episodes, four episodes, four movies to watch for between our episode and the Final Girls Oh, yes. Episode. So that's a lot, and then I'm I'm also trying to watch some. I think the next episode of Cinepunks is Walter Hill episode. Okay, what do you guys are you in Streets of Fire and Streets of Fire and um, the Driver? Cool, not not deep cuts, not going with the obvious. I like that. Well, I, I a I wanted to watch at least one thing I hadn't seen. Yeah, and I'd never seen the Driver, and B uh, Baby Driver is clearly a ripoff of the Driver. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like not a ripoff. That's fair. An homage. Yes. Enough that Walter Hill said as much on his with his interview with uh, uh he did an interview recently with um Mark Marin. Okay, and he was like. Baby drive, you know. I think Mark Marin brought it up like a almost like a negative thing. And Walter Hill was like, "Nah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like he, <laughs> he knows Edgar Wright. I, I feel like Edgar Wright as a director has gone out of his way to meet every old director that he likes. Like he's met them all. All those guys. Did you ever see? Since we're talking about George Romero, did you ever see the video, the clip of uh, Simon Pegg meeting George Romero? No, but that sounds awesome. It's adorable. Yeah, that's it's right. adorable. So if you get a chance, like look it up on YouTube, and it's it's incredible. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and then we can spend a little more time talking about Orca and the Killer Whale Piranha. Piranha. We'll be right back. Mm. <laughs> Freddy Krueger here, aka Robert England, and you're listening to Horror Business. Let's call him Orca or Kinus, Latin. Or bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty and the ultimate battle of man against nature begins. Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca. Can you commit a sin against an animal? He followed you. He saw you on the deck of the boat. They always remember the human being who had tried to harm them. He deliberately left you your boat because he wants to fight you on the sea. Now the fish have vanished from the fishing grounds. And it's all because of your whale. 
In fact, I won't fight him at all. You're not even man enough to accept the excitement of his challenge. I'll fight you! Orca, starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Keenan Wynn. A spectacular adventure. From the depths of the sea. To the top of the world. It's going to be a fair fight, on equal terms. A fight to the death. Nolan! Between the two most dangerous animals on Earth. What in hell are you? Man and Orca. And we are back to talk about 1977's Orca, the Killer Whale. The Killer Whale. Released on July 22nd, 1977. Directed by Michael Anderson, who directed Logan's Run and Around the World in 80 Days. Whoa. It was written by Sergio Donati. And it was... I really like one of those movies that you mentioned. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days? No, Logan's Run. That movie's great. Yeah. Uh, It was written by Sergio Donati. Donati, Sergio Donati. Donati. And it was based upon the novel The Same Name by Arthur Herzog. Remember that name because it's going to come up later. And no, he is not Werner Herzog's, you know, sunny and happy brother. Yeah. Arthur Herzog is like, everything's going to happen in the end. There's a lot of beauty in the world. (laughs) Side note, can you imagine if Orca was directed by Werner Herzog? No, I actually can't. He's like, the whale is inside all of us. He just, we destroy ourselves. That's all we live for. You've mostly seen the the documentaries. He wouldn't do a voiceover if it was a fiction film. True. He doesn't do a voiceover on, like, Fitzcarraldo. I'm saying, in his description of it, when he was, like, talking... I'd love to see a movie of them dragging a giant orca over a mountain, <laughs> which we suspected they used slave labor for. Yes. Uh, it was produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who produced... Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. Who produced uh, everything. Yeah, Every movie you've ever seen, he's produced. Worth, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, if, if you don't know who Dino De, Laur- Dino De Laurentiis is, you haven't really been paying attention to film history. Because yeah, he's done... From, like, the 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in fact, yeah, recently, the Cinepunks episode I need to edit, we talked about uh, Fellini films. Okay. And two of the movies we talked about were produced by Dino De Laurentiis. He was, I was looking at his filmography, and it's like, it's very all-encompassing. Choice cuts that I liked were Death Wish, Blue Velvet, Dune, The 76 King Kong, The Dead Zone, Cat's Eye, Maximum Overdrive, Silver Bullet, and then Hannibal and Red Dragon, and Serpico. So the man has done everything. I mean, you you definitely gave one flavor. He also did like uh, epic normal people movies, yeah. too. This is not an epic normal people podcast. <laughs> I know, but I'm just letting people... If you're wondering why you've heard his name before, he's he's had a hand in everything, including uh, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, don't talk bad. A lot of people love that movie. So Orca, it feels like it's part of the post-Jaws wave yes. of... I mean, let, let, let me be clear about something before we get too much into it, but... Um, I, Orca is as much of a Jaws ripoff as you can be without actually ripping off Jaws. Other than the fact that Orca is a animal in the sea, yeah. there's very yes. little in Orca that is 
anything like Jaws. Well, yeah. Okay. Let me... Uh, but it's clearly influenced by... It's clearly a movie that was made, I think, because of Jaws. It received mixed to negative reviews due to the similarity in Jaws, which caused star of the film, Richard Harris, quote-unquote, great personal offense. I don't think it's that similar. I mean, it's similar to Jaws in the sake that, like, and I made this point to you, and I think this is true, that after Jaws, many animal attack yes. movies were influenced by Jaws. But, I mean, other than the fact that it's an orca and they're on a boat. This movie has next to nothing to do with Jaws. Yeah, it certainly has none of the tension there, of Jaws. There is a great white shark in it, and the great white shark does get fucked up. So, yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, so, aside from uh, Richard Harris... It also had Will Sampson, who you might know from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Poltergeist 2, and The Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, Robert Carradine, who you might know as the uh, leader of the nerds and rapist in Revenge of the Nerds. And this was Bo Derek's first starring role. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. I also didn't realize, you know who did the score for this movie? Who? Ennio Morricone. Yeah, I mean, Morricone did the score for a lot of fucking movies. I know that, but st- Okay. That's not that interesting. So why this movie got pretty bad reviews, it did make its money back at the at the box office and then some. Um, so we got a lot of people saying that this was sort of like... Well, the, the, so the, the plot of Orca, we'll just get that Go out through the, the plot. Do the, the plot, plot of Orca first. is that Richard Harris plays this sea captain morally ambiguous. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Well, he's, I mean, he's charming. He's not, a, he doesn't just kill these big sea creatures. He's looking to capture them, which feels less gross in some ways, but it turns out is actually just as gross as just murdering it's them. It's terrible. For food. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. terrible. But I think it, it comes off at first, he's like, I'm just capturing them. And you're yes. like, oh. And then he, he flirts with the, with the lady, the scientist woman, lady. Science professor. She's a professor, and yeah. he's kind of flirty with her. So you're like, maybe he's not so bad. But he's got a past. Which is like, that's, that's, there's a lot of, actually, no, he's the only underdeveloped character in this movie that needs to be developed. You need to understand this, his, his, his motivations and his, his history because he is the, I don't know if he's the protagonist or the antagonist. I mean, is Orca the killer whale the protagonist? We don't know. I don't even know the whale's motivations. Does the whale have motivation? Okay, let's, let's stop for a second here. So what happens is, um, there, the scientist woman is... Uh, she's taking measurements. Yes. He's out with his nefarious companions. They're hunting a great white, but they're not trying to kill it. They want to capture it and sell it to an aquarium. Or... Side note, that never works. Right. Um, great whites are notoriously difficult so to get in captivity. Right at the point where they're trying to catch this great white, they're disrupted by an orca. That comes and just fucks this shark just up. Just fucks them up. And uh, when they see the orca at play... This dude's like, what is that? Get and me so the orca. It turns out, funny enough, that this lady is an orca expert. Mm-hmm. Orcologist, I believe. She's an orc- orcologist. Mm-hmm. And she sort of fills him in about the orca. Why does she do that? I don't know. And once he hears how cool these orcas are, he does what any good capitalist does. He wants to know how he can get one for himself. How he can make money off of it. Yes. Um in an attempt, I mean, this is all early on, so we're not like spoiling the movie. For this you. is literally in the first ten in minutes. An of the movie. Er, in an attempt to capture an orca of his own, he manages not only to maim one orca, he murders the other orca 
But before that causes it, that orca it gives birth. She basically has a miscarriage. It is one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen because the because he just it's not like he just gets the orca out of the ocean. He shoots it with a fucking harpoon. It's tangled up on the rope. It's screaming. It drives itself into a propeller. They pull it out of the water and then it gives birth in front of everyone. It has a miscarriage. Yes. And then there's this really gross fake orca fetus. And then he basically kicks that off the boat no, no, no. to the He's, water. He is, I'll give Richard Harris credit, he is like visibly upset by this. And then his like weird salty first mate is just like, oh, laddie, just spray it off. And he spray it off the deck with Let's a hose. Let's be clear. Uh, his first mate, who is an accomplished actor and is also in our second movie as yes. well. <laughs> his, that's... Uh, that's uh, you didn't even write it down. Yes, I did. It's Keenan Wynn. He was also in Devil's Reign and Doctor Strangelove. So yes. that. Yes. Um, so he's not just an asshole, but he is an asshole who basically He's hoses. a fucking prick. He's a jerk. He hoses. They basically just push it off the edge of the boat. And they're so, he's so like, he's not like, he's just like, ugh. Like, not like, holy fuck. So, like, Richard Harris is like, what have I done? This guy's like, ugh, just get it out of here. Like, everyone else is like, we've done, we have we, we have sinned against an animal. And this guy's just like, ah, spray it off the deck, get it out of here. Um, at he, which He's po- just a realist. He's a realist. and he, I mean, he's seen worse. He's, he, he's old and wrinkly and weathered. They all have pasts. They all have pasts. Yes. Richard Harris has quite the past. So, um, so Orca sees all this. We're going to call the whale Orca. Orca sees all this. His name is not fucking Orca. What's his name? Fucking uh, Reginald Hartford? Whales don't get names. Uh, Orca, the killer whale. His name's Orca. When Orca sees this, he literally roars to the sky, to God, to the heavens. I don't know. But he roars to the sky. And then there's this really cool shot where he fucking makes eye contact with Richard Harris. And you see Richard Harris reflected in his eye, which means Orca is now the Charles Bronson of the ocean. And he is fucking out for blood. I mean, one of the conceits of the film that you have to buy into to follow along on this is that orcas have incredible memories, which, sure, I don't know, Um, and they live, you know, longer lives, and then connected to the memories, we're supposed to believe that orcas are the most vengeful creatures in the ocean. I'm on board with all this because I want to believe that orcas have, like, blood oaths against those who have wronged them. Regardless, so there's a moment... In order for you to realize that the orca has imprinted on our man and is ready to cause his life pain, there's this shot where you see the orca's eye, and then you see him, and then you see him reflected in the orca's eye. It's so good. I actually think this is one of the dumbest parts of the movie, but the idea is like he imprints on this dude, and now because he like remembers what this guy looks like, he now has like a magical sense of where he is at all times. I'm completely okay with this. He, <laughs> Richard Harris is marked for death the second he crosses the Sorka's path. So um, basically, you know, Richard Harris does what anyone does after they've um, murdered a <laughs> whale. He retreats to the village, kind of thinking that he's not going to go back on the ocean. And uh, the orca just starts fucking with his life. Like, first of all, everyone hears about his mishap. So, yes. like, the first thing the next day, the local guy. This, you, you, the you, fisherman's union. You know, like, in a small town, there's always some dude who's in charge of something who's an asshole. This guy immediately comes up like, hey, I'm the head of the union, and I uh, hear you uh, killed an orca. So, you know, people around here, they're a little superstitious, and that makes them uncomfortable. So you should probably get the fuck yeah. out of Dodge. So there was this big line of boats we're going to fix before yours. We're fixing yours now. Get the fuck out. We don't want you here. It was. It's intense. It it turns very quickly, and at first you're like, 
oh, this is kind of weird. How are they going to justify this, that they would turn on him this quickly? Oh, also, But then the goddamn orca shows up right after he's warned, like, we have a superstition about this. Then the orca's like, oh, uh, by the way, fuck all these boats. Fuck this boat. Fuck Fuck that that boat. boat. Fuck this other boat. (laughs) Fuck this house. Fuck. Oh, we also forgot to mention when... um, they have Orca's wife hanging his wife, not his mate, his wife, because Orca's a you know ceremony. Uh, the Orca's wife is hanging there, dead. Um, and Richard Harris is like, I can't fucking look at this thing anymore. Get rid of it, please. Um, his seamate, uh, the what's his name's fucking um, Keenan Wynn's character, Salty. He's like, get up there and just make it go away. So Salty climbs out in this mast and he fucking cuts the thing's body down. And then Orca leaps out of the water and eats just eats him eats him it's Fucking literally him. it's literally like have you been to sea world if anyone's been to sea world imagine when the person holds out the fish and the orca jumps out of the water to get the fish and out everyone's of the person's happy. hand it's like that but it's a whole dude it's a person <laughs> and he jumps he out of the eats water and a eats a human being <laughs> and then so they're all like fuck that was the same whale um then there's this 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 montage that's like an hour long of orca pushing his dead wife around which um, that was a fake. I mean, obviously that was a fake whale, but that was a real whale. It just had pushed this fucking push thing the around. fake whale. Just push this fake whale around. The, the idea is he leaves his dead mate on the beach, and um, it it sort of comes across like a message. Like, oh, it's a message. It's like leaving a horse head in a bed. Except <laughs> like, this is my wife. She's dead because of you. You're next. Okay, we gotta put the we gotta put the brakes on here, man. Okay. Your level of excitement right now is communicating something that I'm not sure I'm comfortable communicating. This is not a good movie. Let me be clear. <laughs> this is not a good movie. It's just so ridiculous that we're excited describing it to you because this is just the beginning of the... Re- I mean, it's like... We're literally you, 20 minutes into this movie. Have you ever seen... I mean, people uh, respond to us about this movie when we said we watched it. We're like, it's a reverse Moby Dick. It's a reverse Moby Dick. So not that. I don't know what the fuck they think they're talking about. I mean, whatever. But for me, it really is very much like a Death Wish or even more, it reminded me of a few Eurocrime films like No Way Out. But the, the idea is like, look, Orca understands what's going on. Yes. If you're on land, Orca can't touch you on yes. land. So Orca decides i can't believe i bought into your fucking naming it orca idea no i know orcas orcas like look everything you care about everything everything around you anything that'll put pressure on you i'm gonna fuck that shit up yeah and eventually it gets to the point like okay so um first of all let's establish this is in the history of this podcast one of the whitest films we ever watched yeah not just because of all the white people but even in the movie, okay, what's the what's one of the whitest things you can have in a movie? Uh, hang on a second, wait, let me guess. Uh, wise Native American. Wise Native American. <laughs> yes, I knew it. And he's there. Wise Native American. Will is Samson. There. Not only that, it's a wise Native American in fucking Newfoundland, New, Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Canada, which is like one of the whitest fucking places on earth. Everyone's wearing these gross sweaters. Everyone lives on the sea. Our main character is like a, you know a, a, a lost Irishman. He's Irish and they sort of explain what the fuck he's doing in Canada. They don't really. No. Um, so everything about it is like so fucking white. It's unbelievable. So anyways, magical Native American is like, look. At first, he's like, okay. Orcas are very important creatures and you kind of fucked up with this and I really think you need to be careful. What he said was, my people say that the spirits of the dead live in the orcas. You have to face this devil on his own terms. 
the first time they talk about it, he doesn't tell it. No, that's what I'm trying to say is the first scene, it's what you expect from the magical Native American. He's yes. like, you should probably just go away and forget about the orca. The next day, he's like, you know how I said you should go away and not fight the orca? <laughs> Fuck that shit. You need to go back out of that ocean yeah. and go to war. And by the time, I mean, you, let, let, let me be clear. The orca destroys a house. It blows up the fucking It blows gas. up an oil. The orca breaks a fuel line. The orca understands chemistry, breaks a fuel line, sets it on fire, blows up half the town. This orca has waging war against richard harris so by the but by the time i mean first of all if, by the time richard harris finally decides to like fucking nut up and go out onto the ocean a he probably at this point has no other choice the town is like we're gonna murder you yeah, we if will you don't fucking leave. kill you if you don't get out of here and magical native american dude uh who was in who's great by the way i shouldn't i should yeah, respect Samson, him. he's a great Samson, character he's great he's great in one flew the cuckoo's nest this is not his greatest role because he's just like i'll go with you why? Why yeah. does he want to go with him? You literally just said this thing is a supernatural being and you're going to fuck with it. <laughs> and you know, I mean, honestly, everyone who agrees to go on this trip to battle the orca at sea, it's literally, you just know, okay, they can't just have three characters because then that's not enough deaths. So we need more characters there so that there's more people to slowly die yeah, as they need, face off against the we orca. We need some dipshit, uh, Will Sampson, so F- fuck it throw robert carradine in there so the orca like slowly picks them off as if he's a goddamn ninja and and at oh. the same time leads them into the arctic yes where they eventually like, why is he going into the arctic like first of all that he leads them to a point where they're like just nonchalantly one day they're like we don't have enough fuel to go home what how yeah. did you get to the point where you don't have enough no one the day before you ran out of fuel or you, you went past that point of fuel no one stopped to go Hey guys, this is taking a while. Should we refuel? And somewhere? everyone, everyone. Oh, also, uh, I, I think it's important to note that not only does he consult, like this movie doesn't even delve into like weird racist mysticism. He confronts a Catholic priest and he's like, "Father, is it possible to sin against an animal?" And the guy's like, "Yes, it's very possible to do that. You've done something very bad. Goodbye." And that's when we find out. Richard Harris's backstory. He had a wife and a, yeah. a a child who got killed by a drunk driver, which they show this like two second flashback of a car flipping over. So at this point, he's he tells this whale that I'm this whale's drunk driver. So now we have his motivation that this could be an interesting premise. This could be interesting if they had if they if it was in the hands of someone capable, where it's this guy who has nothing left to live for, and he's like, I've done a great wrong. I'm gonna go out in a blaze of glory and go face this animal. Which, in theory, sounds cool, but what does he do? He just sails a fucking boat to the Arctic. Everyone dies. Everybody dies. Everybody Every- dies, except for him. And it, here's the other him thing. And, him, and, him and the, the professor. The professor lady. goes with him on this trip as well. So the younger people who are part of his crew go with him. Honestly, they should have just ditched him. I don't know why they're... Yeah, they're you couldn't... Him. like. Wh- <laughs> and, but, then, but then Magical Native American goes, for what reason? He's just as like, this sounds like a lark. I'll go. I mean, I got to say mystical stuff on the water as well. And then Professor, who... like, there, It never makes sense that she's attracted to this ugly old man who is not nice. It never makes sense that she wants to go hunt a fucking orca. Her she like loves the orcas. Weird and amorphous. Nothing about it makes sense. I mean, it, you really get the feeling that she's going out there because she has a thing for him. 
But why does she have it? I mean, he's not charming or attractive. He's just a dead inside fisherman who fucks things up. But she's like, well, I, I might as well go. Yeah, I don't yeah. have any reason not to go, so I'll just go. Um, and they end up in the Arctic on one of the worst sets I've ever... I mean, it's if terrible. you've ever seen some of the lower-budget Dino De Laurentiis adventure movies, you know, or even like a canon... Fi- this The end of this movie is like a canon film's... It's not far from canon, yeah. It's 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 a poorly done... And, and that makes it sound fun, but by the time you get to this shitty... I mean... There are lots of people when I said I didn't like this movie that were like, no, it's so stupid. It's fun. Like, it's so fun and how stupid it gets. And I just didn't get there. I didn't get to that point. So by the time it ended, I'm like, fucking finally. Yeah, I'm I mean, done with this goddamn fish. I didn't hate this movie. Uh, it's, a, it's a mammal. It's a cetacean. This goddamn fish. Um, I didn't hate this movie, but it was definitely like, it was just tedious to get through because it was, first off, it was just such a fucking bummer to watch. Like, there's no... There's nothing like, I mean, like at least in Jaws, you have the male bonding, the camaraderie, yeah. you have like Brody's home life, there's a little bit of humor. This movie was just so fucking dark. I think this movie would be fun, I think I would have fun with this movie in a theater with a bunch of people who went in being like, we know in advance that this movie's dumb. Yes. So we're going to laugh. I had never seen this movie. You saw it when you were a kid. So all, all I remember is the scene where Orca's wife gives birth and it's or miscarries and it's fucking heartbreaking. It's it's so it starts in such a dark place and then it's like it's it doesn't get the tone for me. The movie might make more sense if I got the tone where I'm like, yeah, that's right, Orca, fuck his day up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you don't if, know who to root for. That's what I'm saying. If I if it if it had gone to the point where I could un ambiguously root for Orca. Yes. Then I might have actually enjoyed the movie more. But it but they, feels like I'm supposed to root for Gnarly Sea Captain. Yeah, because they and go... Gnarly Sea Captain sucks. I hated him the whole movie. Yeah, because they go kind of halfway with making him a sympathetic character, you know, by explaining, like, he's this broken man. He's had, like, this, like, horrible life. He, he lost a child, too. Like, it's all this, like, really weird, murky shit going on. And then you're just like, I just want this fucking movie to be over with. And then yeah. I, I want to say that Richard Harris's death in this movie is, uh, w- w- with with, out exception, unparalleled, the worst movie death I've ever seen. This movie, because here's what happens: he's on like an ice flow, like a sheet of ice, and Orca is like tipping the ice down, so he's like sliding down towards Orca's mouth, and you're like, oh, Orca's gonna eat him or bite him or whatever. He falls in the water. Orca swims around him a bunch. He's I don't even is he yelling at the orca? Yeah. So he's just, so he's swearing at it. Um and then orca hits him with his tail, flips him out of the water, he bangs him against an ice shelf, he like hits a wall of ice and he's like oh, I'm dead. And he just he's that's it. Like I I wanted like Quint's death in jaws or right. or Mario Van Peebles death with a question mark in jaws of revenge. <laughs> like I didn't want like uh like something from like a fucking 1950s like western where the guy's just like ah and grabs his chest and falls over like that's how fucking corny this was it's so dumb and then it and then uh, it ends in and it's i mean it's not an ambiguous ending because our main guy is dead but it is an ambiguous ending because i'm like 
Okay, well, what now? Yeah, like, there's still a character alive stranded on the ice. She's just the in the Arctic. The boat's gone. The, there's no boat. She's up there. No one knows they're up there. And we don't even get to see the orca eat her. Like, orca's just kind of like, I don't know who you are, lady, but uh, good yeah, luck. Yeah, did the orca just look at her and like, I got no beef with you, but don't cross my path again. And then just like swims. Like, did that happen? I don't know. I don't know what happened with this movie. And if she gets to live, why did mystical Native American have to die? Yeah. Oh, he gets he gets unceremoniously buried under ice. It doesn't even. It, it's such a bummer when he gets killed by this like fall of ice. He's like the only character left that I think. Oh, he's all right. Yeah. I mean, he's a stereotype. He's a little bit. It's a little bit of a racist character. But you know, he seems like a good dude. Oh, he's covered in ice. Cool. Yeah, he's covered under several pounds of ice, like several pounds, pa- <laughs> several tons of ice. Yeah, it's just, it was just, and it's it's weird because I know like a lot of people. Um, like I know we we talked about this on the last episode. A uh, friend of the podcast, Sarah Gore, uh, like this movie scarred her when she was younger. A and lot think, of people, you know, and I think it all goes. I think when people think of Orca, they think of the really f- like rightfully so they think of the really 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 fucked up scene where orca's wife miscarries but the rest of this movie is just like who the fuck are these people like do i do i want them to die do i want them to live like what's going on where's the sun i mean okay let's let's say this much the use of the killer whale like they use mostly a real killer whale with a few animatronic whatever the fuck it is like things it's pretty effective. I'll give him that. Yeah. If the rest of the movie built tension at all, then it, I think it would be really effective because the grossness of the miscarriage, the intensity of the screaming whale, the rage of the whale, <laughs> and the idea that the whale is just like a fucking like animal ninja who knows how to like put press, just enough pressure on you to drive you crazy. All that stuff would be great, especially the, the, the sequences with the whale. But the rest of the movie just doesn't feel tense. And... This is not a critique of slow movies. I love slow movies, but this doesn't feel slow. This just feels aimless. It feels pointless. Yeah, it doesn't like, work. I, I think I think what it shoots for is like a like a like I, I don't understand the reverse Moby Dick because the only thing this movie has in common with Moby Dick is that there is a aquatic mammal that someone is trying to kill and there's some kind of vengeance involved. Um this movie really lacks the First off, Richard Harris is no Ahab. Orca is no Ahab. There's no real equivalent there. Like, this movie has potential to be like a man. Again, uh, we talked about this last episode how there's this idea that, like, these animal horror movies are oftentimes like man trying to bring nature to heal. Like, this movie doesn't, it, it could be like man squaring off against, uh, Against the ultimate hunter, which I think they say in the movie, they they talk about how like the orca is the ultimate predator or whatever like that. Which te- it's an apex predator. I don't know if you knew that. It's technically, is an apex predator. I mean, <laughs> but it's just the doesn't whole thing- every animal tech movie wants you to think that their animal is the worst? Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I would not fuck with a killer whale. I would fuck with a piranha. I would fuck with a frog. I might even fuck with a snake. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fuck with a killer whale. That's fair, but the the movie. It fails at what it tries. It tries to set out and make itself to be this tale of like man versus nature, and instead it just comes off as man versus his own shortcomings, and he just wants to fucking die, and the whale hates him. Like it's it's not as it's calling this movie a reverse Moby Dick is giving this movie way too much credit. It doesn't play. It doesn't play up enough the theme of 
like this guy committing a crime you know what i mean like yeah in animal attack movies there's there's oftentimes like a like a science aspect yeah you know what i mean like science has gone amok or it is the idea of this like spirit of nature getting revenge on people for you know whatever or this this sort of inner anxiety that like no matter how civilized the rest of our lives are under the surfaces it's like we're wild still savages yeah tamed yeah. nature thing None of that comes across in this movie. No. Honestly, the the theme of the movie seems to be that this guy sucks, that he's unhappy, and the orca is just like... I mean, if there was a scene in the movie in which the orca, like, one night comes up to the boat and he's like, look, man, you want to die anyway. Why are you fighting it? Just let me eat you. Yeah. And then we'll be done with this whole thing. Like, that's how it, that's how the movie yeah, feels. Like, and, and, and again, they introduce this idea of, like, it's not just about... It's not just like... um man has done something wrong they very clearly make it a point like the word sin is used like they make right. it they make it a point to be like this guy did something very bad like right. personally bad and then it just goes nowhere it's just sort of like who gives a fuck who gives a fuck about this guy like yeah okay talk about his wife and his kid that died a little more oh you're not going to i don't care what happens then i don't i you basically none of these characters aside from will Sampson, are really all that likable well, I think including the fucking whale. I think the professor and Will Sampson's character are supposed to be likable, but they're so underwritten. Yeah, that uh, we're really left the most time with this captain, and it's like because he kind of feels shitty, we're supposed to have sympathy for him. Like, I don't like the fact that he feels bad about murdering this whale. It's like, okay. Um, well, that's a normal reaction that any human would yeah, have. Any sane but person it certainly would feel doesn't, that way. doesn't make him somehow morally better or anything. No, know? I don't know. It, it, I, it, we're in a bit of a of a dilly of a pickle of this one because. Um, I mean, if you like animal horror movies, I guess watch this. Well, in the sense of like, I don't want to spend my time just shit talking a movie. Per yeah, se. yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm ready to and, move on to Piranha, and, and so I'm ready to move on to Piranha in a certain extent. But I also want to give it a, its due, and I do think that there are people who really, for whatever reason, connect with this movie. I don't, I don't know, I don't, I just don't know what that is. No, I mean, okay, I understand, I understand what people like about this movie, but what people like about this movie and what people think works for this movie for me doesn't work. It doesn't. It's 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 too fucking nihilistic for me. You know what I mean? It's too grim. It's just it's it's I, such a it's such a hopeless movie. I don't. I, I I think I'll disagree in that it's too grim for the tone of the rest of the movie. If it was an actually grim movie, then I might actually be attracted to it for that reason. But it's not Henry a serial killer. It's it's a fucking epic. Again, and this is typified by the end of the movie, like that we're going to climax on this shitty ass set and it's not even going to be a real day. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it is like an epic adventure with no sense of fun or thrills. You know what I mean? It's missing all the excitement I, I, that an adventure of this scale should have. I, I think it can be personified in the first iceberg that they see, which is literally this small chunk of ice. Yeah. With nothing around it yeah. for miles, it's just the open ocean. They're like, "Oh, an iceberg!" It's like that's that's the iceberg. That's what we're getting. That's what you could afford. Is that? Yeah. It just like it 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 seeks to be this like sweeping tale of adventure and whatever, and it's just like sad trombone noise, flower drooping over. Like 
I don't know. Like I said, I would like to see it sometime. Like I think it'd work well at, at like a hearthon, like as part of a like an overall sort of thing with an audience who's excited to see it. Yes. It might work. The the funny parts might work, but for us, just the two of us watching it, um, me for the first time, you for almost the first time since essentially saw it so the first time. Ago, yeah, it just wasn't. It just wasn't there. Well, two things. I'm curious to read the book that it's based on. I'm curious. Me too, actually. I'm curious when this came out and and what the book is like. And two, they should remake this. They should remake this, and have yeah. They should have um, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam Rockwell is the fucking sea captain. Um, okay, maybe not Sam Rockwell. Maybe uh, maybe uh, uh, uh Skarsgård. Yeah, any of the Skarsgårds. Actually, you literally, literally any, any of, of the scars guards. Just pick a scars out of a hat, and you got it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it could be any scars guards. Um, but yeah, like like directed re- by Christopher Nolan. Remake this. Add a little actual tension in. Yeah. Take out the mystical Native American and have a captain who like you care about who's yeah. like actually interesting who you actually start to think like am i on his side or am i on the orca's side you know what i mean yeah in this thing it's like who fucking cares yeah i don't give a shit about any of these people or animals i, uh, I feel bad for the for the dead whale i'm sad for orca's wife i'm sad for orca and i'll be honest i'm sad for the shark too the shitty shitty very shitty model shark that we see get rocketed out of the water in the beginning when Orca fucks it up. I mean, if it was a movie just of Orcas fighting sharks for two hours, that have would you ever be seen cool. videos of Orcas fighting sharks? Yeah, it's fucking insanity. It's so cool. All right, uh, I guess we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and talk about. Uh, we're gonna talk about Piranha. I thought you would say what year because I don't know the year. Oh, nineteen seventy-eight. Nineteen Piranha. Piranha, directed by Joe Dante. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, it's Bill Mosley, and you're listening to Horror Business. <laughs> Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun, there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network. could have imagined they were there who could have predicted they would attack and now who would survive your honor they're here your honor they're hungry what's the matter with you your honor they're unstoppable stop that Hey, keep your hand out of the water. What's wrong with the water? The water is filled with carnivorous fish. Hirana, they call them the devil fish, because wherever they go, hell waits below. They breed like flies. There'll be no way to stop them. Suddenly, no one is safe. And everyone must be warned. 
water is now a human death trap. Two people have been killed up there and more have been killed all along the river. You gotta believe us. These are the man-eaters who go beyond the bite of all other jaws. Sharks come alone. Piranha come in thousands. Crazed by the scent of blood, they live by the taste of flesh. With razor teeth, they can strip a man to the bone in a frozen instant of terror. Piranha. They're here. They're hungry. They'll eat you alive. Who can stop them? And we're back to talk about 1978's Piranha. Released on August 3rd, 1978, directed by Joe Dante, who you might remember from Explorers, Inner Space, The Burbs, Gremlins 1 and 2, Matinee, Small Soldiers, and a little movie called The Howling. Uh, a few of those movies are good. Yes. Uh, it was written by John Sales, who also wrote Alligator. Look at that. Yep, I knew that. Produced by Roger Corman. It very much feels like a Roger Yes, Gorman it totally film. does. Starring Bradford Dillman, who, interestingly enough, was in a movie called The Swarm, which was based on a book by Arthur Herzog. Oh. How about uh, that? Look at you with all your yeah. research. Uh, so started, good research. Starting Heather Urich, who was in the TV series Logan's Run, which the, was based on a movie directed by Michael Anderson. The dots, they're all connecting. It's, it's you, all you think connecting. You're so goddamn I'm smart so now. funny. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Howling, and Ghoulies 3. Barbara Steele. Didn't even realize Barbara Steele was in this movie. Who was in every good European movie, European horror movie. Uh, Keenan Wynn, who was in Doctor Strange, Love the Devil's Reign, and Orca. Belinda Belaski, who was in The Howling and Gremlins 1 and 2. And then Dick Miller, who was also in Gremlins 1 and 2, The Howling and the Terminator. I kind of love Dick Miller. Dick Miller's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Murray Futterman. He's so good. Uh, the budget was either seven hundred and seventy thousand or six hundred thousand. I couldn't, whatever. Uh, it grossed sixteen million dollars. Uh, Universal almost filed an injunction against New World Pictures due to the film being released close to Jaws two. But Steven Spielberg, who has gone on record to say that Piranha is his favorite of the Jaws ripoffs, Jaws ripoffs, talked him out of it. The movie was followed by a sequel. Piranha 2, The Spawning in 1981, which you might know as James Cameron's directorial debut. They fly in that one. They fly in that one. And if it wasn't for that movie, we would not have the Terminator franchise. Sure. Did you, did you ever hear that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it was remade twice, once in 1995 and again in 2010 as Piranha 3D, which we'll be talking about in about an hour with the final girls. That was a fucking task to get through. And then it was remade, the 2010 remake had a sequel called Piranha 3 Double D. Double D. They're talking about tits when they say double D because there's tits in that movie. I just really need you to say the word tits less. Tits. Okay. I just need you not to do that. Okay, yeah. I mean, no, it's... <laughs> unlike Piranha 3D, I actually am lampooning people who say shit like that. <laughs> so, Piranha. Go through the plot. What does so this movie have? Where does it start? Where, okay. do we, where does our so, journey begin? Setting. Okay, so the setting. It opens up. There's a sea captain who's on hunt for a killer whale. And then Keanu Reeves comes out of nowhere and says, so I can talk and I see dead people. I was gonna, talking about gonna, Orca and Constantine right there. I'm going to cut it so, all out. 
Piranha opens up with these like people. There's a guy and this girl. They're hiking. And they come across an army installation. So there you go. Just right there. Just get the fuck they're, out of there. They're just like, here's a fence. Here's a fence that says, don't come in. Let's just go in there. They find a pool. Not a swimming pool, a pool. So it could have been... Um, Nothing about this pool says, hey, we should jump into this Literally. Pool. At worst, it's filled with fucking evil piranhas. And at best, it's a shit treatment plant. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, we can't stress enough that this pool is not inviting. No. They didn't come upon, like, a swimming pool. It's just a concrete hole with dirty water with in it. And they're like, slimy they're water. like, let's get in there. And then so they jump in there, and the girl says, what do I look like, the creature from the Black Lagoon? Um, they, of course, get fucking devoured by the piranhas. And then we see the title sequence. Pretty cool title sequence. It's the word piranha in red letters, and then it melts, and it's all like, ooh. Uh, ba and then you forget what happens after that. I mean, well, I know what. There's, so we find out. Okay, god damn it! Now you got me all. You threw me off kilter. I know it's so easy. So these people get eaten, and then this guy or this woman comes looking for him because she's like a missing persons. Uh, her and local yokel, uh, they go in there, and he's like, "Yeah, we got this tank." They drain the tank, and this guy freaks out. He's like, "Oh, you, you drain the tank!" Um, and he reveals that the, the the United States military in post-Vietnam... No, pre-Vietnam. They pre-Vietnam, started. pre-Vietnam. They started basically experimenting on these fish because they were going to release them into the water system of Vietnam. Operation which, Razor which, Tooth. Which would, by the way, be a huge war crime. Yes, that, that, that would be a... That's wiping your ass with the Geneva Convention. And uh, But at some point, um, they cut the funding, but he just stayed there because he's a fucking crazy person. He's like, I have, I have to take care of the piranhas. Wait, Operation let, Razor Tooth. Let's, let's back this up a little bit here. We've got the young woman. She's a skip trace. Yes. She's from the city. Is that the term, skip trace? Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, because she's from the city, that means she talks too much and she's really sassy. And she knows everything. And then she finds this, like, as you said, local yokel country type, which apparently means um, you don't talk much, you enjoy booze a lot. And you eat fish a lot. You do eat fish a lot. Um, And... uh, and, uh, you you actually are like good at every like everything he tries to do in the movie. He just like, succeeds. He at. just knows how to do. Does it. he? I, he builds a raft. He just had one. That okay, he, he just had his, a raft. Okay. Him and his son built at, for fun. Yeah. Well, his daughter because she's at oh summer his camp. daughter. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. His daughter. They built it for funsies. Yeah. So then, um, so so they're looking. So what they're doing is look. She's looking for these missing people who've been eaten. They end up at the base. They go into the lab, and what you missed about the lab is the lab. Has crazy shit in it. Yes, including a claymation dinosaur. Why? Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get into the rest of the plot of this movie, which is actually interesting. But before that, we have to start with this little thing. Why is there a goddamn claymation? It's not even a regular it's like dinosaur. A mutant fish dinosaur. Imagine a creature. Uh, basically, it's. Like the little cousin of a Ray Har- Har- Harryhausen. I was gonna say monster. It, it, it looks like the uh, uh, the fucking Yagur. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So it's it's, but it's like it's a few inches tall, and you see it, and you figure at some point they're gonna see it, thus justifying its existence in this movie. But no, there's like five or six shots in the lab where you just see this little thing, like peeking around a corner and observing, as if that's normal, and. What relationship does this thing have to the piranhas? So, anyways, the the point is, is they're in the lab. 
they never see the thing, so they don't know how fucked up it is. And they figure out that they can drain the pool. Now, if they want to drain the pool because um, they want to know if, you know, there's they're dead and the kids are dead yeah. in there. It's a reasonable request. It's spoiler, so, there are. So scientists comes in and this is one of the this is one of the movie tropes that I don't love. Okay. Which is that this is actually a really reasonable misunderstanding. Yeah. If our man would like just explain himself instead of like trying to kill them. <laughs> like they're trying to drain the thing. So of course he's concerned. There are mutant deadly piranhas in there. All he has to say is uh, excuse me, first off, who are you? Please don't do that. No, stop, seriously. There's these fish in there, razor tooth, war crimes, they're in the pool. His response to that is like, what are you doing? And he tries to grab her, and then the guy tries to grab him, obviously, because he's assaulting his friend, who it's pretty clear he is attracted to. Yes. And uh, and the scientist guy's like, oh, well, I'll just try to choke you to death. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that he's been trapped there for a while and whatever, whatever. His but, only company's been piranhas and a mutant. But honestly, this is the only part of the movie that, like, I I actually really fucking love this movie. And this is the one part that I was kind of like, come on, man. Like, th- if you want to have it where they do it and then it's too late, rather than have him be, like, a crazy, crazy loon, just have it happen. And then he walks in. He's like, you did not just. Oh, God. Oh, Did you just do that? It. Yeah. Oh, no. But instead, he goes crazy. They knock him out. They go out there. They find the bones, and they're like, weird. Huh. Oh, well. And then they've got this guy tied up, and uh, he's on the raft. And on the raft, he's like, BT dubs, there's deadly piranha in the water now because you flushed them into the yes. water. Um, we are treated to a scene where a man is fishing with his son in a, in a, in a canoe. Yep. Man falls overboard, gets eaten. The boat flips. The kid is on top of the boat. Uh, weird scientist guy wakes up and he gets he tries to go save the kid and in the process he is slightly attacked by the prawn like they make this big yeah. scene where he's yeah. like torn apart but then they get him on the boat and he's got like a couple bites on him and then he's yeah. just dead so um the prawn and his blood is like trailing on the water so the piranhas they're like super smart and they're going that's the noise they make and they're like chewing at the ropes on the raft to get the people and then it's a race against time to get to the shore. They get to the shore, and then the guy's like, oh, shit, my daughter is at summer camp on this fucking river. Well, and what the, basically, the, so the river has a dam, and then uh, on a regular basis, the dam unloads. So they've already sort of been like, okay, there's deadly piranha in the river, which is, sucks, but whatever. But then they're like, well, if the dam opens up, then they go down even further, and there's the summer camp there's the new beach resort and eventually the ocean so they get to the dam he gets them not to open the dam the army comes and the army at first they're trying to play dumb like what do you mean piranha what's a piranha i don't know what that is then they clearly know that the piranha are there um but this is where things actually get kind of interesting i thought in that um there's this uh, beach. Re- uh, this is where it becomes a Jaws ripoff, basically. Yes, yes. Because there's a beach resort, and the army guys. I mean, we get a hint from this from the scientist dude, but the army guys who abandon this base, they're still in the area, and they're invested in the resort. So the decision to like not really tell people, like, hey, public, BT Dubs, there's deadly piranha in yeah. the water. Dick, Dick Miller's like, I got free barbecue. Don't even worry about the piranhas. Um, uh, the reason they don't want to do that is they're financially invested in this resort so they want to keep it chill it sounds familiar i think i've heard of that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. well and so what what um our main character points out is like look yes we stopped the dam yes you released this poison but there's a back channel 
where they could go around the dam mm-hmm. and end up uh, where this resort is. So we should do something about it. And the army guy's like, yeah, I don't think so. And has him just like put in jail. Yeah, they just... <laughs> They th- so they throw this guy and this this woman in jail. There's like a, a ridiculous jail escape scene. The, yeah, where the woman uses like trickery and like a toilet seat to fucking knock a cop out. Um, we're also introduced to um, the main character's daughter. I don't know the main character's name. Uh, Richard, uh, I think. So Richard's daughter is at the summer camp and she doesn't like swimming. She's afraid of things in the water. She's afraid. So she doesn't want to go in the water. And the fucking camp counselor who is a goddamn like little Caesar psychopath who's like, you got to get your, your, your badge and people are throwing darts at dartboards with his face on it. Um, they're basically like, they keep alluding like, Oh, this little girl's got to get in the water. She's got to get in the water because she wants to get her, her, uh, her badge. Um, there's some like minor character development with like two of the counselors. You know, they're going to go swimming at night and you His think... His name what, is Paul. Paul Grogan. Paul. <laughs> okay, so what is it, Paul? Grogan. Grogan. So Paul Grogan, um, his daughter's at summer camp. There's a scene at night where you think the can- counselors are going to go swimming at night and get killed. They don't. But then the next day, um, there's this like inner tube race with these like little with these little kids. And well, not little kids. They're like, you know, 10, 11 years old. So they're, I guess, still little. So then we're treated to a scene where uh, everyone gets in the water except for Grogan's daughter. She's hiding under a canoe because she doesn't want to. She's afraid, rightfully so, because there are fucking piranhas in the water. She doesn't know this piranha. She doesn't know, but you know what? Like, I, I believe her. I, you know, I'm, I don't go in the ocean. I don't go in the river because there's things that can kill me. And she was right. You're what you're saying is insane, but okay. So, uh, so what happens to these kids? They all get like badly chewed the fuck up. So this is, and I think this is the first sort of meta point we want to make about this movie. Piranha doesn't give a fuck about your kids. No. This movie, I mean, don't be wrong, like Jaws set a precedent when the kid gets utterly destroyed. Oh, we also forgot the part where the female character shows her breast and screams, it's Superman. Oh, to distract somebody. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, there's boobies in this movie, so if you don't like that stuff, don't. But watch there's it. not like a lot of boobies for for how many bathing suits there are. There's actually compared to let's say, oh, I don't know, Piranha, Piranha 3D, 3D. Yeah, there's not that much unnecessary nudity, but there's a little bit. Um, but this is what is uh, I think is interesting is like, so the setup is you. Uh, my assumption, right, the way they're setting this up is that his daughter's going to get in the water. Yes, and then he's going to show up and like save her at the last minute. And probably a number of children, because in a horror movie, you might kill a child. Yeah. You may even kill two children. But you certainly don't have a fucking death orgy of children on a river. A, as little river, as a literal river of blood. As they're on inner tubes. And the only reason our main character's daughter survives is because she never gets in the water in the first place. Only that's actually what we're going to do, is that <laughs> is that she's never going to get in the water. And now you know she's never going to get over her fear because she's watching her friends. All, well, she does get over her fear, actually. She actually... She says in an act of bravery, puts a boat on the water and gets in the water. So I'm sorry, I take that back. But the point is, is that it doesn't work out. The setup, they're setting you up for one punchline. She goes out on the water and then she's in danger and he he saves her. Yeah. And instead, what we get is she's going to actually save some of these kids and, and you know whoever else and fuck the one dude for you know the, the counselor, the yeah, counselor dude. Um, and not all the children die; some of our children live, but a lot of fucking kids, lot of get, kids eaten get eaten by piranha. I mean, it's not as it's it's not very explicit or gory. I mean, there's a lot of blood, but there's not like 
Again. There's not like yeah, it's not like uh, you see a lot of like hanging limbs or shit. Yeah, like that. you just see kids. But it's clear kids are getting. Water. It's clear kids are getting fucked up. And then we're treated to this really like laughably dramatic scene of the camp counselor looking sad, and it's like a, it's like a, it pulls it on his face, and he's like, he can't even look at her. He's like he's so sad, and then it like pulls out, and he's kneeling next to the body of a child covered in a towel that he failed to save because of the piranhas. <laughs> How could he know there were piranhas? There's not supposed to be piranhas in the river. I, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, so, I mean, th- this is what I'm saying about this movie, though, that makes it actually kind of fun. There's a lot of like plot complications or uh, crazy plans to save people. or There's all kinds of crazy shit they could be doing. Yeah. But what Prana does is like, look, first we're going to fuck up these kids. Then we're going to go to the river resort they're going to get fucked they're up, gonna too. They're going to get fucking eaten. And they're going to get every notification that they shouldn't. But instead, we're going to see them all hanging out in the river. First of all, the shots of them hanging out in the river are ridiculous because there's goo everywhere. It's there's disgusting. like grass. It's a river. It's, Rivers it's are so, so foul. It's so gross. Uh, but it is an excuse to show a lot of girls in bathing suits. Yes. There's a lot of boobs not exposed. Yes. Because it's not Piranha 3D. It's not Piranha 3D. But, but there's a lot of like eye candy going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's all a setup. Like none of it's like, oh, yeah, you're because you, the whole time you know they're not going to get there in time. These people are going to fucking die. It's it's, a, and, it's like a like a it's like a all you can eat buffet for. And the by the time they get there, the plan. I mean, when our main characters get there, the plan at that point is not really even to save that many people. It's like how are we going to kill these piranha before they cause even more destruction? And there's this there's this they they keep I I, I, I didn't understand. I mean, I understand the human toll. I understand that they had to stop it before the piranha got to this resort and you know hurt a lot of people. But there was this weird idea that they were like, if they get to, oh, we forgot the, the piranha can also live in salt water. Right. So the whole point is that these piranha are mutants that they can live. I mean, the salt water thing is surprising, but they shouldn't even be in the fucking river. No. And they're just like hanging out in the river because they're mutants. They've been experimented on. Also, these, they're like, these are just regular sized piranha. And they, they're like, if they get to the ocean, it, it's over. But it's like, no, piranhas have natural predators, just not in this river. Well, and it's important to remember this uh, for this movie and any other piranha movie you might watch, is that if you know anything about piranhas, you're immediately Which, out of it. Because in Liam did movies, a lot of research on piranhas for this. All I did was read the Wikipedia page. And the Wikipedia page is literally like, you may have seen movies in which piranhas are these you know, me- omega predators, yeah. but they actually are just normal fish. Yeah, piranhas are literally like, if you don't go in the water and carry on like an asshole, piranhas are like, oh, fine, fuck it. Like you're there. I mean, piranhas like like they don't hunt in packs because they frenzy. They like are in packs because they're afraid. Uh, lots of creatures eat piranhas, including dolphins. Look at this, fucking look at Le- Doctor Liam O'Donnell. They're not attracted to blood. They have no way to sense blood in any way, shape, or form. Um, they don't often kill people. They do occasionally, but it's it's not like this huge and and the okay it's not that piranha aren't scary anyone who's owned a piranha will let you know that there is something scary about a fish with lots of fucking teeth and they got that that only eats eye. meat but like okay a piranha by itself in a river it would take a while for that piranha to fuck you up he would get full he would bite you and be like oh, i think i'm good and he would just swim away yeah it's like not anyways the point is, is in these movies they're always like unstoppable creatures of you know ter- such that when i was a kid 
I really thought like no one must swim in the South America because yeah. I thought piranhas are in all of South America, which isn't true. And I thought like you must never go in the water well, Bec- between that and the pea the pea worm that goes in your penis. Te- technically, a catfish. Whatever it is. Yes, anacondas, caimans, Orinoco crocodiles, bull sharks, and piranhas. Okay, you are actually nervous about this. I'm like, <laughs> I am no longer nervous. Like, if I got in the water and they're like, there's piranhas, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get out of the water then. If I walk in the water and they're like, there's piranhas, I'm like, yes, and let me tell you what else is in here that we can't see. Alligators, the Loch Ness Monster, um, Jaws. Jaws. And Jaws. Orca. Jaws is not in the... Okay, so then can you explain the end here? Uh, the the What is the plan? The plan is the plan so is convoluted. To, there's this smelting plant at the mouth of this river that they're going to lure the piranhas there, they're going to bottleneck them, and then they're going to dump this waste, toxic waste, into the river and kill the piranhas. It'll kill anything. It'll kill the piranhas. BT dubs, I guess it'll kill every other living thing in the river. I guess it's like, fuck it, we're going to write the river off as a whole loss. We don't need the river, I guess. I mean, literally, there's a moment, there's an aha moment in the boat where he's like, we'll kill him with pollution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like... Is that the message of the movie? Yeah. What the fuck? You want to dump this horrible pollution into the into the into the ocean. So they get there and they they find I wasn't quite clear why the fucking control room was underwater. They, he's like it's flooded. But That's all he said. Like, I mean, yeah, it's flooded, but this was this was like modern technology. Like there was no reason for this thing to be this fucking flooded. So he has to get in the water with the piranhas and swim down to the operating or the the control room and then to, to, to smelt it and then he's like count to 100 because I can hold my breath to 100 if I'm not up by 100 oh he's also got a rope tied around his waist and the other end is tied to the boat so he's like if you don't if I'm not back by 100 just speed away side note no one can do all of this thing that this guy did in a minute and a half like nothing no just this is so we're treated to this like it, it, the scene's like five minutes long and she's like one and then an hour goes by and she's like three and you can see where I'm going with this. So he's down there swimming around. The piranhas attack him. He opens the thing. She speeds away. And the smelting waste is dumped into the river. And all the piranhas are dead. Side note, that's the shittiest plan I've ever heard. Because how are you sure that every single piranha was there when they died? I mean... S- spoiler alert. They didn't get all the piranhas. Uh, okay, let's be clear. Because... Based upon our response right now, you might think that we did not like this movie. No, this movie was a lot of fun. The movie's actually a lot of fun. Um, I said the only thing I really don't like was that one thing about um, the communication. But I, the end, it's not that I dislike the end, because there's a lot that leads up to the end that's very satisfying. Yes, But yes. the very, very end, the very climax... It's just a little confusing. I just felt like they just had they. It felt like they couldn't think of something that they could end it with, and I I almost worry. I don't. I wouldn't say worry, but I, I almost wonder if they just ran out of money. Like they just were like, all right, we got to end this somehow. So let's just do this. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Because it. it I just feel like there were more creative ways they could have ended this movie. It felt like a very uncreative ending to what was otherwise a fun and dynamic film. I think what they should have done is unleashed a horde of genetically engineered Orinoco dolphins to prey upon the piranhas. Okay, well, you clearly aren't taking this seriously. I'm taking it seriously. No, this is definitely this is definitely not a movie that uh, it, it seemed the ending seems like all this really really cool shit happens, and then the ending is so like. Like that's that's what you're doing. You're gonna dump pollution. Like that's how we're gonna kill the piranhas. Like they don't show the piranhas dying. Like I cannot stress enough that like they just assume the piranhas are dead. Yeah, 
Like, it's not like at the end of Tremors when the Graboid explodes or Jaws when the shark explodes or fucking any other movie where you see the monster die. They just dump this toxic waste in the river and they're like, well, got him. And it, it's just like, that's... It, it's definitely an, an, an ending where, yeah, it does feel like they ran out of money because they don't really... They, it, they didn't have to really show anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Um... I don't claim to know that they ran out of money. It just, it feels so tacked on at the end and it, and in a movie where they accomplish a lot. I mean, let's be clear. The special effects in this movie are non-existent. Like no. there's some fake fish that they clearly close in underwater and they push the rubber fish onto somebody and that's them getting attacked. Yes. And then there's just red that comes up in the water to show that they've been attacked. The there's no cool gore. There's no cool effects. But it's so effective despite the fact that there's not a lot of money on the film. Yes, because Joe Dante is a good filmmaker who knows how to get a message across with, I mean, to show a piranha attack, all you really need is a close-up of a piranha biting something and then a person in the water kicking and screaming and there's red. There's blood. There's blood in the water. That's a piranha attack. It works. They accomplish a lot with very little except this fucking ending. It doesn't even, it, it just feels like I think the big the big part of the ending was the guy getting yanked out by the rope. That was supposed to be like the big like the, the climax, and it was just like kind of dumb. I mean, it is like okay, it is a cool stunt because they pull him through a window, and anytime you're going through like a window like that underwater, like you know, there's some danger involved, and I like that it's a stunt. Yeah, 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 and not because they didn't have CGI, you know, whatever. Yeah, but. Even that being said, thematically, plot-wise, none of it really clicks the way the rest of the movie clicks. Yeah, again, I, you know, it's not like in Jaws. There was the, there's a shark tank in the shark. There's a the tank in the shark's mouth. You blow up the shark tank, the shark blows up. It's or or like in Gremlins, where like you get the Gremlins with how they kill all the Gremlins in the first Gremlins at the movie theater. They blow them up in the movie theater, and the second one they electrocute all of them. Like all of these things make sense. Like you get you know the zombies in Return of the Living Dead too. Electrocute them. All those things work. This is just sort of like pollution. Like that's the best you guys got. Like I don't know. It's just a very unsatisfying ending. I think. But let us let that not turn you off because compared to Orca, this movie is a fucking masterpiece. Like it, in the sense that it maintains its tone the whole time. It accomplishes a lot with very little. Like it feels like Orca tries to do a lot and doesn't accomplish any of it. This film accomplishes so much without really putting a lot out there. Also, like, it's, it's worth it's worth noting Orca had a budget that was 10 times this movie. Yeah, and and you know, you know, you can do a very effective thriller, a very effective horror movie, a very effective whatever genre film without a lot of money. And yeah. this movie proves that. Again, it's it's also a tone thing. You this movie right away is like, ha, ha, ha. like it's like but it's, fun, and but it it's not, it's not. Uh, I don't like the word camp. It doesn't feel campy. To Joe me. Dante, his movies aren't his movies aren't campy. They're sort of like there's always that like just enough, not even dark humor really. They're just it's. I I can't really explain it because all of his movies have that similar flavor, but. This is a Roger Corman movie. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's a it's a quote unquote bad movie made earnestly. Um, it's self aware. It knows its limits, and yet it works. And it's so fun. I mean, that's really all it boils down to for yeah. me. Um, there's not a lot going on thematically. Like we, we were saying, like Orca, you, they don't really get at it. Piranha. It's 
I mean, vaguely, it's science gone wrong, quote unquote. The only thing that really comes across thematically at all is less that and more the thing that's similar to Jaws, which is like this rich people don't not taking the danger seriously. Yes. Like there's the economic aspect, which, by the way, so many of these movies have that. It's funny that it doesn't really have much of a cultural impact. Like, like it does in just a very vague sense of like, yeah, they don't care about us little people, but like how many movies do you have to make before you really actually I, maybe i'm just responding to our current political moment in which a lot of folks are like investing their hope in a bunch of people who like would let you be killed by piranha like yeah, if, yeah. if you don't think that a lot of your leaders that you are wearing embarrassing hats of would not be this guy like uh piranha fuck that let people swim it's fine who gives a fuck i hope they get eaten yeah like that's like what the that's literally what you're doing but so that aspect of the film actually comes across and again not heavy-handed it's not the point of the movie but it's there but a lot of the other things you have in animal tech movies like anxieties around nature or science i mean yes the they're created by science but why if if anything there might be a little bit of like a leftover military uh fucking vietnam like there's a little bit of that like of course there's a fucking uh war crime thing related to vietnam like no wonder you know what i mean but there's not a lot else like sort of philosophically going on other than just a general like and yeah there's some fucking piranha and i think it's important to note that um this movie succeeds in almost i mean the ending lackadaisical ending aside when this movie seeks to build tension it works. Like that scene where they're on the raft and the piranhas are nibbling the ropes. I mean, it's not like an edge of your seat fucking white knuckle gripping thing. Right. But you feel like you're like, fuck, I, I hope they make it. That'll really suck if they don't. Like, Well, and, and there's a sense of what part of what I think works for this movie, let's say in comparison to, oh, I don't know, Piranha 3D, <laughs> is a, it's a sense of geography. Yes. Like, you know, okay, the piranha were here. Now they're moving in this direction. Okay, they're stopped here, but they can backtrack and go over here. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that creates a sense of tension because you can imagine where they're going whereas like in piranha 3d we don't understand where they are on the lake and then they just show up at various parts of the lake magically so there are times where you think they should be there and they're not there's other times where you're like wait they were over here now they're over here like it's almost like the piranha can just transport they're just everywhere there's just no sense of where they're going and I get, I think that's supposed to actually be more scary for people but the way they do not. in Piranha 3D. This idea that wherever you are, the Piranha could be there, but it's actually way more effective in Piranha that you have a sense of okay, they're they're moving. They're not magic. It's not like they get flushed into the river and then they're everywhere. Yeah, they like move in a direction. It's a, it's it's it, they're, it's it's like a herd mentality. Like they're, right. it's this it, it's this idea that they're they're they're. Uh, it's just like it's it's very it's supernatural in the sense that it's natural, but it's like, it's like nature squared. Like there's this mob of like fucking mayhem, you know, progressing down the river. That's, I mean, I guess it also kind of makes sense in, in in this movie because they have to stop the piranhas from getting somewhere In piranha 3d. They're just like, well, hope they don't kill too many people. Well, that's just what I mean is that it's a more effective creating that sense of movement and of stopping that movement. Yeah. It's just a more effective method of storytelling. Yes. Um, and I feel like Piranha 3D, not that this is a podcast about Piranha 3D, but I just, for comparison. We're getting warmed up for, for you know, when we. Well, I just think by comparison, that's why that movie has less tension also because it's bad. But, but um, <laughs> so, but I think, I just think that's a, was a good decision on their point to have this sense of like, 
movement that like we're trying to get ahead of this thing. Yeah, yeah. There's especially because a- the main way to get ahead of this thing, at, at least at first, is on the water. Yeah. So yeah. like they're trying to get to the dam, and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. It's like they're they it 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 also keeps them next to the piranhas you know what i mean like yeah they, they could only get on the water so the whole time they're like on top of the piranhas like we have to yeah. get there before they do and they eventually get a car and they drive to the dam and whatever but i just think there's that sense of like danger in the you know that they have to get to a spot and even when the piranhas show up at the at the resort even though it's like extremely convenient when they do for the for the movie it doesn't seem completely ridiculous because you're like okay well they've finally got to that point yeah yeah you know? yeah so yeah, that was uh that was Piranha. Um I will say these animal attack episodes uh for good or for worse, I you tell us. They tend to go quicker because there's less stuff to get into like they're kind of straightforward narratives. It's yeah, funny. there's not these like weird nuanced themes in these movies. Well, I think there's a lot of subtext in like Jaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is actually what separates Jaws from almost every Jaws like ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Or even a lot of other. I mean, we uh, you know, when we get to like frogs it's slugs. I I think frogs has a lot going on as far as like ecology and and there's a sense in I I would actually argue that frogs is almost like a theological film because it's like nature diffuse through all these beings oh, it's like yeah, the yeah. act it's, of it's, god. Like, like we we said last time of like frogs could have could have just been called when animals attack and you'd have been like that's a perfect title right 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 so i just think there is stuff going on in some of these movies but at least some of those we've covered so far you know alligator's fucking amazing but there's no subtext it's just there's an alligator oh my god (laughs) razorback is don't trust australian people well and i wonder if part of the problem with orca is that i feel like when we were talking about the the pain of the captain and and his past i think the movie wants to have a subtext it It wants to be about relationships and about all this other things and it never gets there no it can't it doesn't they don't know how to get there because it's like it's again it can't make up its mind whether it wants to be about this wounded broken man finding meaning in his life or is it about like nature personified and overcoming that like it just can't make up its mind what it wants to be right so yeah that was 1978's piranha not my favorite Joe Dante film. Uh, definitely not my favorite, but still one of the better. I mean, yeah, I like yeah. I like it more than Small Soldiers. I like it better than The Hole, which was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I've never seen it actually. It's fucking awful. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend Piranha. I think it again. I said Orca would fit well into a horror movie night, but I actually think that's what you would need for it to fit at all. I think Piranha actually, if you're at home and you're like, I want to put something fun on for my friends, we're also, have people over. I think it'd be a fun group movie to watch together. Also, I think that Piranha is much more a horror movie than Orca is. Orca right, is a right. horror movie in the sense that like bad shit is happening and there's some kind of like other, again, for lack of a better term, supernatural element in the sense that, you know, typically killer whales don't hold vendettas and go after people. But I mean, so says you. Uh, well, I don't know. Look, <laughs> I mean, look at the things in SeaWorld where they fucking kill their handlers and all that time. Yeah. But um, no, Orca isn't really like it's not a horror movie per se. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really have like the element of like horror and terror. In it. It's just like uh, there's a shitty situation and uh, I'm going to fucking kill this whale because it wants to kill me. One of us has to if one of us has to die. Both of us is probably going to die. Like Piranha has a feeling of horror to it. Piranha is undeniably a, like a horror movie. Orca, you could call Orca like a, a thriller or a fucking, I don't know, like a psychological drama or some shit like yeah. that. Like, you yeah. cannot call Piranha anything but a horror movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything we want to end with? 
Plugs, um, notes, thank yous. As always, uh, if you like what you hear, you can go to www.cinepunks.com. And ch- we didn't, we didn't do our fucking shout out to LVAC. Oh man, this is the first one where we forgot. Oh my so, god! Uh, many apologies. Hey, um, this episode has been brought to you by, by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. XLVACX.com. If you have screen printing needs, you need a T-shirt. You need a koozie. You need a cool trucker hat. You need a pillowcase. Whatever it is. Whatever it is you need printed. And, for whatever you need printed. It and afford. they have multiple artists on staff. So let's say you know the name of your organization, but you aren't sure about your logo or your design, or you need some sort of cool thing. You, need, you got an idea, though. You can tell them. They're going to put that shit together for you. Yes. And they do amazing work. And they're reasonably priced. Yep. And they're also nice there, except for Chris. I mean, Chris is an athlete. When, when you go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, let's be clear. You're supporting community business. You're not supporting Chris Reject. No, no, if, no. If that was what you were doing, no one would ever go. No, I would not advertise for it. But you're, you're, you, are, you are supporting a small business, and that's what's important. So more information, go to www.xlvacx.com. Chris Reject is not straight edge. Never was. Not. So just go check them out. Yes. Um, and then after that, go check out www.cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast, more episodes of Cinepunks, some very, 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 very good writing. And we got a bunch of other podcasts on there. We got, you know, Cinepunks podcast, Got Me a Movie, Black Sun Dispatches just put a new episode out. Yep. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's probably fucking terrifying. Yep. Uh, there's The Mandate and uh, Civil Society. Yeah, it's up, whatever. Sure, Civil Society. Um. <laughs> Anyways, check that out. Um, as we mentioned a couple times, we're going to be on the Final Girls, so look for that episode. Yeah, that'll support be fun. them. Uh, and big thank you to uh, all the podcasts that we uh, interact with that we really like: um, uh, Nightmare Junkhead and Brushy Breakdown and The Horror Show. And big shout out to my man, the Giant. Be with you on Twitter. That guy is fucking awesome. Okay, I yeah. don't know who that is. Yeah, he's 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 pretty cool. Um, oh, from an inspired by. From an inspired by, yes. So, um, and oh, and uh, Splat House. Yes. Uh, yes. So, just a lot of really cool folks that we care about uh, and who care about us. Um, and I feel like there was something else. Oh, and please check out our Patreon page and tell your friends about it. And thank you to everyone who has uh, supported us on Patreon, including. Um, uh, Ashley from Graveyard Shift Sisters. We're hoping to have her and Jenny Dreadful on sometime, but um, we haven't finalized that yet. Sometime, I think next month, we're doing something with them. But just uh, uh, thanks. She's one of our supporters, and you should check out Graveyard Shift Sisters, and you should support their Patreon as well. Yes. I think that's everything. Yeah, so remember, check us out on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. All right, take care. Until next time, stay spoopy. <laughs>